feels good. It's your birthday, you know I want to ride. It's your wheezy, we only go to my house. Feels good, we just ride. Young and Indigenous Podcast is an outlet for people to know about Indigenous knowledge, storytelling, and history. Through our youthful journeys, young people and elders share their experiences with us. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. back to Young and Indigenous podcast. Today we are here with Haley, Bella, Free, Raven. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Roy. <laughs> and today's episode is about our experience with Canoe Journey. It was some of our first times getting to experience Canoe Journey and how impactful it is on our mental health and for our healing journeys. Um, we get to be around so many of our Coast Salish people and we get to share songs and dances and get to share a meal just like our ancestors did before colonial time. So Canoe Journeys is kind of like a recreation of um, our, of traveling our ancestral highways or uh, traveling through the, through the Salish Sea via uh, canoes. And it actually started, I believe, in the 70s with Paddles to Seattle, which then uh, in 1993 kind of evolved into Canoe Journey, where... The first one was hosted by Bella Bella, and uh, since Bella Bella annually, each tri- uh, different tribes have uh, picked up the hosting position and uh, have invited all all tribes to paddle to their territory and uh, share in song, dance, and potlatch, and yeah. I mean, I'll just uh, bounce off that. Um. And so Canoe Journeys was uh, originally, I could be wrong, but Emmett Oliver stepped up into uh, into place and hosted the first Paddle of the Seattle, I believe it was 1989. And during that Paddle of the Seattle, a lot of canoes ended up coming out. Uh, I can't give the specific number, but paddling through to Seattle um, and during that battle, Bella Bella stepped up and challenged everyone uh, four years that they would host the Canoe Journeys in Bella Bella, which is the 93-94 hosting that Free was talking about. And so after that, tribes have took it upon themselves to challenge other nations to uh, to paddle to their 
territories and share songs and dances and it's been a continuing reoccurring thing that happens every summer to every other summer. Um, sometimes there's gap years where tribes can't step up. It's a big process and you can expect thousands of native and just individuals to, uh, to traverse into these territories to celebrate. Um, and it's just this, these words, there's, there's no way to put into words of how big the magnitude is of tribal journeys spiritually, physically, and mentally, but it's, it's definitely something that's growing and progressing, and I'm excited to see where it goes. So that's what tribal journeys is. That's crazy. The first canoe journey, people paddled all the way up to Bella Bella, bro. <laughs> no, like, you're going to have to warm me up. Bro. You're going to have to warm it up. You're going to have to be like, okay, so we're going to go to Quinault first, and then we'll go to like some other some other places <laughs> that aren't as far as Bella Bella. Yeah. But Bella Bella off-rip is so crazy to me. <laughs> and what's interesting about um, Bella Bella, too, is in 20, I believe it was 2013 that they hosted, so 20 years full circle so like the copper canoe or the copper canoe the copper rings that you get for canoe journey and then the beads um the the copper ring initially is like uh significant like the first canoe journey and then you get beads along you know for each year that you go there's a different bead that represents that journey so in 2013 the guy who started the necklaces actually made a copper bead for like the Bella Bella paddle, it was pretty cool. That's tough. Yeah. That is cool. That is really cool. But yeah, six hundred miles is a pretty long. <laughs> six hundred <laughs> miles is so crazy, <laughs> and it's very da very dangerous waters from our experience when we paddled up to Bella Bella. Um, oh that was God. when we first started skipping, and uh, we had a wonderful, beautiful Lummy crew that went up there, and we risked our lives very often. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie over there, like. I yeah. was like, I, I was there. I She's like, it. I was with 30 kids. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if we rule enough, you can let the kids run wild. They can only go so far. So that was Bella Bella. <laughs> Way out there. Okay. <laughs> um, go into the first question. Okay. Now that we're back from canoe journey, how is everybody feeling? Who wants to go? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm happy to finally be home. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> when I finally walked in my house and knew like I don't I don't gotta go nowhere. Yeah. I am home for a minute. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. <laughs> but then I found out I got COVID, and then I was there for like another week and a half of just not being able to go anywhere and experience being home again. Just honestly i didn't know i had covid until like that monday mm -hmm. i'm not gonna lie like i thought i was just well because Haley was sick right yeah mm -hmm. i thought i got what you got whatever the hell you had apparently you didn't have covid <laughs> I, have no I don't know why I've said so many times. don't know how but that's besides the point yeah. but it chilled out the next day and then i was oh. able to go off and do my own thing yeah yeah, I like stayed, I stayed in the Airbnb and then I went out and did some things and I was like, why is Roy's car still here? <laughs> and, like, that's why I walked back in the room and I was like, dang, Roy's been in bed all day. Bro, mm -hmm. I was, I was out, dog. I was out. Throbbing headache, body aches. Yeah, 
had to DoorDash Rite Aid like four times. I did DoorDash Rite Aid like four times. <laughs> All the Pedialyte. All the Pedialyte. Shout out Pedialyte. Shout out Pedialyte. Pedialyte, please sponsor. sponsor. <laughs> you all, you, all this. <laughs> you did. You did. Though. I'll go. I mean, <laughs> I'll break the silence. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still uh, recouping from journeys. It's a, it's a lot, especially. Um, I don't want to make myself sound different or or out there, but I feel like I am recovering from more than just canoe journeys. So, and uh, being home is it's really a, a check back into what what we define as reality. It's our contemporary society and how we sustain ourselves here is getting back into work and staying busy. And so adjusting from a traditional what's what we would call our traditional lifestyle. Um, going from waking up at 2 or 3 in the morning to catch the tides and going to bed at 11 to 1 because you're at protocol and then preparing for 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 the paddle the next day. You're only sustaining on two hours of sleep, but you don't really notice as often. I mean, waking up at 3 in the morning, you notice that. But other than that, everything goes according to plan and plays out. And then you get back home and you're like, you have nothing more to do. You're not busy anymore. And, you're sitting there at home and you're just in your own thoughts and you're like, you miss it. So you come back to that full circle. You have to get readjusted into like, yeah, <laughs> you took like a, um, you kind of took like a big, uh, you took on a big role this year, right? With canoe journey and this being like your first full year of like skippering a canoe and, you know, you've been in that, that position before but you've always had a partner in this year like you really it was just you and your crew and of course you had like cultural leaders in the camp and stuff but in terms of like skippers it was it was really just you right yeah yeah, yeah. very very busy so when i when i say those late nights i was staying up i was the crew i mostly try to get them the kids you know teenagers can be teenagers but you get everyone to bed around 11, but you're staying up till 1 a.m., making sure the radios are charged and the dry bags are set and prepped and the lunches are all made and good. Um, and so you, is it, you take on a lot more role and you, you do sacrifice more, but the outcome is always worth the reward, from my experience. Anyway. like kind of like you more so embrace chaos on canoe journey and you know how like how chaotic it it can get you know like you it, it should be stressful but like you're more accepting of that because everybody's going through it you know and like you step back and do like you like you said contemporary reality or society and it's like everything about contemporary society is about controlling chaos Whereas like on Canoe Journey, it's more so about embracing it. Like such an interesting dynamic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately I wasn't able to participate in much of the paddling and stuff. I was uh, moving uh, mid during Canoe Journey. So I had to kind of step away from 
and the paddling part and handle my priorities at home first, which was really unfortunate and I it kind of like bummed me out. But then being able to go to Muckleshoot and be surrounded by all this like indigeneity, you know, it's like, it just felt amazing. People just walking around, singing songs, beating their drum just because they could, you know, because that's who you can be there. You can't be like that here, really. I mean, you can, but like, you might look like a crazy person out here, <laughs> beating your drum, walking around, just singing the song. But like there, like you can do that, embrace who you are. So, um, I call I call this phase like the post journey blues because it's like man you're just surrounded by everything that you love and everything that you are as in an as an indigenous person as a, a coast salish person or as like a coastal native because i guess there's not they're also not coast salish people but um yeah and then you just come out here and you're not surrounded by that anymore and like you are the minority of minorities in this society so it's like like i'm fortunate like work in an organization where we are surrounded by natives and mm-hmm. uh, we are still very indigenous, but it's there's nothing like quite like Canadian Journey. So yeah, I'm feeling the post journey blues. <laughs> um, I feel pretty good it was really weird and then i got back home because like you could like just still hear the drums and the singers in your head when you no, got home for real. <laughs> no no actually you just hear it for like hours and days it does like and then like i got home and i was just kind of sitting there and i was like this is kind of weird like <laughs> it was really quiet and i just like i was so used to just like getting up and being busy all day and then like coming back home and not doing anything at all it was just kind of like what do i do now and just like raven said I was just, you're just kind of like sitting in your thoughts and it was just like i don't know but i definitely miss it it was nice to like be around a bunch of other people that like are a part of you and do the things that you do and realize that there's so many other tribes that do the same things that you do so it's just like it just like I don't know it really impacted me and it was a really great experience to be a part of kind of forces you out of bed (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) you can try sleeping in your tent but no there there ain't no way too hot no I will will boil in that tent alive (laughs) Um, I'm feeling pretty good after journeys. If you asked me like last week, I would have said I was dying, but <laughs> I feel pretty good now. I, um, as Roy said before, I was very sick after journeys and I stayed home for like a week, but I think it was like, I think that combined with actually being away for those two weeks made me feel so much better. And like, I just so much more like back aligned. I was very jumbled around. I think before that and just very stressed and overwhelmed and it was a nice time to just like breathe and just like be and not have to worry about the 20 other things I have to be doing but um yeah I'm feeling pretty good right now not as tired anymore (laughs) I agree we all got we all got sick yeah. <laughs> Collectively, we all got sick at some point. I'm still, I'm still recovering a little bit, so I'm like mellow, really mellow now. I'm just glad everyone recovered and is feeling better. That was, it was terrible. It was, it was almost needed, though, in a way, you know? Like, yeah. we're all just so 
so busy. This was by far the busiest journey that I've seen or even been a part of, mm-hmm. you know, because we're working with productions yeah. and then we're also working. You still have canoe family priorities. You still have to take care of gear and you still have to take care of yourself. So youth leadership. There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of things happening. Youth leadership was doing psych, uh, psychology studies with UW and so there was a lot of stuff going on, especially for for this crew here who was so involved. Um, it was really awesome to see. Second question is, how did you participate in this year's paddle to Mokoshu? Hmm. Well, I kind of like thinking about it like this because it's kind of crazy how I went from paddle to Piala, which was 2018, didn't like absolutely nothing. I wasn't really about it. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't really a journey kid at the time. I wanted to go home. It was too hot. <laughs> Going into like into this year where not only am I on journey for work, filming West Shore, filming Elwha, but I also got to participate more than I ever thought I'd really want to. And it was a really fun experience and it was a lot of really good medicine. I'm not gonna lie. Cause I was really, really homesick. And then I heard my Nooksack family singing and then I almost cried when I saw them because that's how homesick I was. So yeah, <laughs> it was cool though. It was, it was definitely a fun experience and I will keep dancing in the future. And so how did, uh, how did uh, singing, how did that remind you of home? If you could break that down for us. Mm. Um, well, really it's just like you hear a song from home, you know? Like I heard um, my uncle's warrior song that he made and I was like, I know exactly what song that is. I have that CD at home. I'm gonna go up there and jam with them. Mm. So I just go up there and then boom. The Bailey boys was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out, shout out the Bailey brothers. <laughs> shout out LB. Shout out LB. Shout out Much LB. love to LB. First time. This is that was my very first time dancing of any sort, and I at first I was I was very like ah, it looks a little too close to some of our other traditions, you know, our winter ceremonies, and I was like ah, I don't really know if I wanna if I wanna, you know, do that. And then I finally did it, and I was like, this is really, really good medicine, and I really love doing it, for sure. Yeah. He looks so, out there, too. for teaching me. Yes. These are my two teachers. These are my two teachers for the... They taught me how to dance. <laughs> or more so, just pointed me in the right directions. <laughs> Threw them in the mix. Taught me how to pray. <laughs> taught me how to pray about it. <laughs> me? Um, all right, um... Thank you, Roy, for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> That's very powerful medicine. Uh, Roy just signified what many will experience on journeys and uh, and why it's so powerful and healing. And um, what I would what I would argue and contest from what I heard from Roy is he found a piece of his own identity, and that's mm. that's really what I find valuable in canoe journeys. Is not only are you making these social networking connections and building building this self-esteem on being indigenous but you're learning who you are as an indigenous person and practicing your identity um i got to i got the opportunity to uh 
be road crew at the beginning of canoe journey so i was road crew and then i got asked to be a paddler so i said sure why not i'll be a support paddler so i'd be on the support boat and paddling when needed and then they needed a, a support skipper and i this just accepted that role which led to me being the skipper that's how it played out um <laughs> And, and I've heard there's a couple other skippers who weren't, who were supposed to join us on the journey, but they weren't formally asked. And I just, that, that kind of like related with me because I wasn't formally asked. And yet I feel like there's a responsibility when you're needed somewhere, you shouldn't have to be asked or, or needed to be honored or gifted, or you should humbly accept and step into the role if it's necessary for the betterment of the process that's taken place. And our process, we needed a skipper and I was there. And I feel like that was a great honor that I got put into that role because as much as like it wears down on you stress, stress wise and fatigue wise, um, what you're doing for yourself on that water and then what you're able to do and allow others to do that healing and that prayer on that water and then being one with the natural world being surrounded by hundreds of feet of water and you're in a vulnerable place and you have the the crew that you have their life in your hands at that point and they all trust you and it's really just it's a really powerful place and experience to be in and humbly, humbly, I'm just honored to have have that, had the opportunity. Such a beautiful crew to work with. It was so accepting and and allowed me to to work with them and coach them. Um, and how we all just got to where we needed to be. And there's a there's a little method. There's a little um, thing about canoes. Is a lot of people don't realize that they're they're living beings and and they feel and pick up energies just like an, uh, a newborn infant would mm -hmm. pick up energy. And uh, when there's not good energy or positivity on that water, the canoe will weigh itself down. No matter how light of a canoe you have, the feelings will weigh it down and it'll make the paddle really long and heavy. And we never experienced that this journey. It's all of our paddles were fast and we shot straight through. And, and I think it all starts at, uh, at the top and how the skipper maintains respect and comfortableness and and how the crew can reciprocate that back and forth with each other and really make a 12-hour paddle feel like a four to five-hour paddle it makes a paddle feel where people are trying to rush off the canoe it makes it where people want to be on the canoe and don't want to leave the water and so that was my role as a skipper and and kind of insight of what what my healing was was being able to witness that and witness others experience that paddle for the first time even. We had a lot of green pullers and teaching, so, yeah. Could you explain what a skipper is? Oh, sorry, uh, skipper. <laughs> yeah. You guys know, right? No, <laughs> Y'all know, y'all know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> a skipper, it's a, I don't know the uh, traditional term for it, but it's basically, um, God, there's so much. Maybe you want to start breaking it down for me and then I'll pick up. <clears throat> the way I kind of like describe it to like somebody who hasn't heard the term before, like uh, almost like a, what a captain is to a ship. It's, it's, it's like you take that, that, those responsibilities on, not in like a way of like, like a hierarch, hierarchical way, but like 
you're you're responsible for the safety of the crew and you're responsible for the safety of the ship or in this case of the canoe it's your job to be knowledgeable of the waters that you're traveling the routes that you're traveling uh what times you should be leaving it's your job to be prepared uh so you have to have medical supplies you have to have food enough water for your crew make sure everybody's applying things like uh um sunscreen uh making sure that you're efficiently su- uh getting new crew, new paddlers on and taking the ones that need to break off so like you, it's kind of a big undertaking and it, that's the best i can describe it is like the closest thing you can really get to like being like the captain of a ship yeah and i would even contest that it's a lot more dangerous than being on a ship you're especially our freeboard freeboard is the space between the water level and the peak of the edge of the canoe where that prevents water from flowing inward and our canoe um this year specifically had uh some samoya uh the west shore canoe family's canoe um its freeboard is about eight inches with our crew, which isn't a lot of freeboard. And then when we load down with more weight to paddle ashore, our freeboard is about three to four inches. So we're taking on waves all the time. Throughout. And waves was big out there too. And so you have to read when waves are coming and you have to read the wind. And because the wind will push water right over the side of your canoe and it can put you in a really dangerous situation when facing the waves. You don't want to be sideways and flip. And those, we've, we've experienced that, didn't we, Bella? Yeah. yeah. A, uh, we're paddling to Suquamish and we were running from a storm the entire time. We were getting chased by fog and our crew, our uh, support boat got stuck out at Tulalip Bay and so we ended up with an Ironman crew on one of the longest stretches. It's a 34 mile stretch. Um, it's a 10 to 12 hour pull and due to our adrenaline and us racing the storm we finished it in seven and a half hours. Um, very very fast crew. No, y'all were moving bro, y'all were moving. And there was a moment I had with my crew out there when we were getting hit by the waves and uh, the wind both from the east side where where we were taking on a lot of water and I and our and our crew was so tired that we weren't able to traverse through this turbulent area and so we I had to just speak to the crew in the most real way you can and let them know without without panicking them I just said you know guys I know you guys are tired and I'm sorry that you guys are experiencing this I wish we had relief pullers and I wish we had a support boat to get us out of this but we were out there and it was just us in the canoe and the water and and the waves and the wind and it really you want to feel vulnerable for a long period of time hop on a canoe in a storm and you're going to experience that we uh I apologized to the crew and said, if we don't paddle out of here, we're gonna, we're gonna go down. And the crew understood and they said, we can do power paddles to get out of this. And we did 1100 power paddles in a row. And by the time the support caught up with us, we were already so much in a groove that we just finished the paddle. And uh, we're jumping the waves. Some Samoya, Bumblebee, jumping <laughs> the waves. 1100. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Did you feel accomplished? I felt accomplished. When I didn't even feel like three. we were going against anything. I, I thought we were okay. So. <laughs> <laughs>
I was very secretive about the danger. Was it? No. it was very much not trying to get people to panic. You definitely did a really good job at like communicating with us and making sure that we were all okay and just like um, explaining the things that you needed to to us and just making us feel comfortable. So you were very impactful for us of being uh, the leadership and um, the skipper on our canoe. I feel like this journey for me, like I said, I wasn't really able to participate much. I um, I was able to uh, help PA with Roy in the beginning, um, watching their canoes cross the 49th parallel and uh, kind of participate with the Lemmy landing as well. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I really, I think the role, the best I can, the best way I can describe my role is just like support. Like I was, uh, I would, I would make it to the landings that I could and um, attend skippers meetings or give advice to the crew. Um, and I think I brought, I brought food down, uh, to Swinomish right before uh, Tulalip, and I actually helped move the campsite from Swinomish to Tulalip. I usually come canoe journey, if you know, if you know me, like I hate to miss canoe journey. Like if the job's not good enough, I'll even quit my job to like go on canoe journey. That's how impactful and meaningful like this, this journey is to, to some people, you know, like you might not be, you might not grasp it, but if you like attend a journey up to Campbell River or out to Quinault or up to Bella Bella, like life-altering moments, and uh, and like I've attended all all three of those journeys, and so like there's nothing that could compare to these journeys. So it was a huge shift for me to have to uh, prioritize something else over a canoe journey, and then take on that more supportive role. And even in uh, Muckleshoot, you know, I was like very, it was very support driven, but I also um, was able to uh, relationship build in Muckleshoot and I invited one of my good friends down there. Her name's Gwen Howitt. And she's like one of my, the most awesome people you'll meet. She's like, she's the CEO of Mount Baker's ski area, but like total, like, total spiritualist like all about good vibes all about like learning about other cultures and just like embracing life and so being able to uh introduce her to uh protocol and being able to introduce her to like these other uh these tribes and she was only able to watch two two tribes perform but even even then she was just like mesmerized and in awe so i feel like you know, some things happen for a reason, and maybe, like, that's why, like, I had to take on this role this year was, like, one, it opened up uh, Raven to be able to skip her his first, like, full journey and to be able to, like, watch him go about that uh, was it was actually uh, really impactful for me, too. It was really, I loved it. It just, like, made me so proud. And then to be able to see, like, Roy step up and sing and dance and like really get down and dance, you know, and like, 
see Bella get on the canoe and just like didn't miss a paddle. Uh, just like really embraced it because like canoeing, paddling can suck. Like if you don't have the right like if if you don't have the right discipline and mental, like and you're out there for like four, five, six, eight hours like paddling doing this like it it can suck. It really it, you do make it like you it is what you make of it you know so like to be able to see all these people step into these roles and kind of like hang back and actually catch that it was you know it's kind of like one of those meant to be things it was pretty cool just uh real quick glance into gwen uh her and her experience on journeys she showed up and uh took a right when she got out of her truck and dropped me and free off she took a 10 minute walk with us and next thing you know she's watching us get stick and poke tattoos in the tent (laughs) (laughs) for uh for our journey tats and watching us get the tlinket hand stitch and the hide a hand poke tattoos done from from g shout out g uh shout out gwen for watching that and then (laughs) and then yeah i mean gwen had a we went to protocol after that and stayed till two in the morning where we watched Suquamish and uh, and had an interesting conversation on renewables and energy sourcing. And then she camped in her truck, so full journey experience for Gwen. Virals <laughs> <laughs> um, in canoe journey this year. Um, geez, I've been wanting to go on it since I we had paddle to Lummi and then COVID hit, so. It was kind of like, I don't know, it was kind of hard for everybody that that happened because we love to gather so much as indigenous people. So this year I was like really happy that it was going to happen. It was like one of the things that I really wanted to do this year and um, us getting to collaborate with West Shore because we do so many things with each other, we were able to they were just welcoming with open arms to have us be on their canoe and I was actually really thankful and um, you know it was a really really long month of going out and you know just working all day and then having to go all the way out to the Stamish grounds and go practice and then like finally when it came it was just like really exciting and I wasn't planning on um, sitting up in the front, uh, what they say, the bowman of the canoe, where you're the eyes of the canoe and kind of um, watching like if like there's logs or when there's waves coming. And um, it was just like, Anton was like, you're going to sit up in the front. And I was like, oh, okay then. (laughs) (laughs) So it was actually really exciting. And I'm really glad that I got to go because it's just like you see how impactful it is on other people's lives. And just seeing so many people go out and do it. And I was just like, man, I want to go do that. So just getting to do that and getting that experience and being on the water it was it was really healing and it was really um it was really cool to just like be in nature and like i guess be in spirit with yourself because you feel all the things that like your ancestors went through so I, i felt like i got a little in touch with that and i just i've always felt like i've been like 
I don't I don't want to say a calling, but being pulled to it. It's just like you feel like I don't know, just like the water is pulling you to what you need to be doing. And I am I'm really glad I I finally got to have this experience, and especially just like getting to be a part with your people and getting to like sing and getting like especially with dancing. I I really love dancing. I've been I've done it when I was younger and I haven't done it in a really long time. So getting to go out and be on the floor and like just seeing our youth just be so evolved in our culture nowadays. And it's just like, it made me really happy and it made my cup full. And I'm like, I just really wanted to do it for my experience. And I can't wait to bring my family out in the next couple of years. And then also just like building relationships with them, West Shore as well, because we did research with them. And so that really helped that relationship. So we were able to um, get the research that we needed of how impactful Canoe Journey is. I think um, I think one thing is uh, about Bowman is, bow woman in this case, <laughs> um, bow person persons just two people sitting in bow and they don't get to follow the paddle in front of them because they're setting they're setting the pace and setting the stroke for all the pullers behind them and so every paddler in the canoe is paddling at the pace that that they're setting and a big thing that bow persons have to focus on is uh consistency and being consistent so bella and kimmy who are on the canoe every single paddle with no break um, consistency kind of defined their journey this year and them being green pullers have you guys ever paddled on a journey before no. green pullers so like we call them green because green horn terms are used in fishing language we're fishing society and green pullers we had several this year and for them to step up and mid mid training and uh Sit and, sit and stroke for the first year paddling and then developing the separate, we have different strokes for different situations, power strokes, uh, nice and easy strokes, eagle strokes, and all of them are used for different methods and for them to be able to execute and and uh, maintain consistency is really powerful. So, Hishka. Thank you. Um, this was actually my first Canoe Journey time following along on journeys. I was ground crew with Waikikia. Shout out her, I miss her. I haven't seen her since yesterday. She's <laughs> 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 <Just> at home. <laughs> she at home right now chilling. Um, but it was it was really cool. I had previously I've gone to some of the landings for I went for pedal to Puyallup and I was there for that landing and I stayed for some of the protocol but I didn't grow up going to journeys at all. And so this was my first time like really like following immersing myself. I camped, not the whole time. <laughs> not the whole time. Um, but it was it was really cool. I we were um, production assistants for a production crew who was following Elwa um, and their journey from Elwa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna stick with it. And it was I mean it was really cool. Um, I was I sat I feel like I sat in that protocol building for days. Once landing because it was just like it was hard to leave there. I I just liked I, I just sitting in there and just listening and hearing all these songs I've never heard before because I'm so used to listening to our songs here. 
and that was really cool. Um, I got to go up on the floor and I sang with my family, which I've never even done before. I didn't even know I knew the song, <laughs> but apparently I did, and I went up and I sang with them, and um, I even danced a song. It was it was really cool. I didn't grow up with like um, with the family I sang with. It, it just I wasn't around them very much. Um, but it was cool meeting my family and getting to know everyone and hanging out with all of you guys outside of work. And, um, yeah, it was cool. Where was uh, where was your family from? Um, three sisters. Oh, cool. So yeah. so they brought they brought out their new canoe this year. I mean, well, not their three sisters, but that family. Yeah, my grandpa made that. Oh wow. Oh, I used to. And that was made yeah. over the time of COVID over that gap, um, the COVID gap, is that what we're calling it? He called me like a week before and he said that the canoe he made, he made it like very last minute in like 17 days or something. Oh wow. 17 days? Yeah, oh, very God. specific oh number, so I believe it. Oh very, 17 days? <laughs> very fast <laughs> canoe. Shut out. Out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 17 days? Holy God. That's God. tough. <laughs> it is a Cedar Strip canoe, for those wondering, uh, and it is very fast. <laughs> it passed us. <laughs> yeah, it's fast. God off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, at first, I, I was really only there for because, like, you know, work because I'm such a homebody, and if I wasn't working, then I'd just rather be at home yeah. playing video games, sleeping, drawing, just being creative, whatever. But I'm really happy I, I ended up, you know, doing more things outside of work on this canoe journey. Like, like Raven said, I got more connected with my identity, and it's really cool. It's a lot of really good medicine and I'll definitely be going back. I want my brother to come with me. I want my dog to come with me. I missed my dog. <laughs> I missed my dog so much, dude. <laughs> I'm on that same type of beat. It, it was like, I didn't expect to do as much as I did there, but I loved it. It was really rejuvenating, I think is, was my experience. That's like the one word I could think of. Humbling, I think, for me, you know. Like I said, I played like a, in a, an entirely different role than what I'm used to. So definitely a humbling experience for me. We're using like one word to, what was the question again? What was your overall experience? Oh. Hmm. I have so much words. And this journey comes with it's good and it's not so good moments. I wouldn't say bad because uh, I would say learning. Learning was my experience on canoe journeys. And you learn from situations, um, which we faced quite a bit of situations on land and on water. And, and I think I just had people like 
I had situations that I was completely sideblinded by that I was not expecting at all, things that are out of my field of management. And then I had situations where where I felt like where I felt like I stepped into those roles um, and and learned from them. And so it, it was really a whole learning experience from the good from the overall canoe journeys, learning about my own identity and myself and one thing I learned over this past winter is we're, we're always learning and we'll spend the rest of our lives learning and learning comes in so much aspects. We, we went with without canoe journeys for four years and so every canoe family was learning and making mistakes that they had already learned from on previous journeys but because of the COVID gap you're remaking those mistakes and relearning what those boundaries are on canoe journeys for each family and uh, and for individuals, what your boundaries are. Um, it's all about learning. Take it from me, I learned how to dance. <laughs> it is all about learning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it have to be, it was more of like learning a lot of things, but it was also, there's just a lot of healing too. There's just like, there's just like so many things that you're going through in life and then having to take a pause and kind of go and be out and living living the water life and having to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning, which I didn't do before this. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it was overall a very great experience and I'd do it again, honestly. Mm -hmm. I got tatted on Jenny's twice. <laughs> Three times. So Just kidding. I actually got this tattoo like <laughs> done in 2017. My first tattoo is a Haida style hand poke and Tlingit style skin stitch. And uh, this artist and I were supposed to finish it in 2019, uh, but things got it got too congested with that canoe journey, and our, we just couldn't find a time, and then. We were like, oh, we'll just do it next year, and then COVID hit. So like, now it's like full circle from 2017. Now 2023, we're able to like finish this tattoo. And uh, I just asked her on a hunch, can you just poke me a cedar, cedar branch tattoo? And uh, she's like, yeah, if you let me skin stitch. And for those of y'all that don't know what a skin stitch is, they take a sewing needle and they take the thread about that long and they dip it in uh, ink and then they uh, she stitches it through your skin and pulls the thread all the way through so that the ink goes uh, into the, the wound or whatever the holes and it'll stay there and yeah it's pretty painful <laughs> it looked really gross yeah I was like oh my god how are you doing that right now <laughs> yeah you just kind of have to keep your conversation going for me i love the trees that were there those leaf trees that like when they blow in the wind it looks like they're like changing colors because the leaves are flipping so i can like sit there and look at those trees all day and it was just kind of like this beautiful circle of like storytelling like because uh g gianna she's a Haida uh, and Tlingit tattoo artist and a good friend of mine now. Um, but she's like a tribal council 
uh, person, a tattoo artist. She's been on canoe journeys down here and up in Alaska, uh, like many different journeys. So she like she has stories after stories, and then I feel like I have a decent amount of stories too. So it's just kind of like that huge like storytelling session slash tattoo session. <laughs> is painful skin stitching. <laughs> <laughs> what did you uh what did you pay for your tattoo? Oh Jean actually barters. So like she doesn't even like unless she has really? to accept payment from you, she won't she wouldn't even like I had nothing to trade. So uh she's just like, Yeah, I know you'll take care of me. I know you got me. So I, I essentially paid nothing for this, but eventually I'm I'm gonna send her up a, a care package full of art and uh, things like that. Just real, real traditional Indian bartering. Thank you. We all should have went and got one, hey. <laughs> I don't like doing skin. I know. I pass out. <laughs> your guys's favorite part of canoe journey the guy rapping no. <laughs> 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 um, <sighs> no my favorite part was for sure dancing for the first time with west shore obviously because it was like someone who wasn't my family welcoming me into theirs to represent their family it, it just meant a lot because it's you know it's like main stage protocol like i, I haven't practiced with y'all before like I didn't, I don't, still don't really know a lot of people from West Shore. Like I only really know Antone, Patlas, and the people who we actually work with. If I'm being honest, love them all. Love them all. It was, it was great. It was an honor to stand with them. So that was one of my favorite parts. And <laughs> my other favorite part was when I finally got to stand with like all of the Nooksack people, and then you know got to got to dance for the first time with them too, and that was really cool because they had like the raffia cape for me and, and all that. They had the <laughs> raffia headband. I was like, I felt real indigenous, felt real sacred. <laughs> no, that was really cool to see. I was really proud of you for getting up there. <laughs> the cave was tough. The cave was tough. <laughs> like, was so like, tough. like, I'm debating. I'm it's like, I might need to make me a little cape for next year. The cape is tough, bro. Dude, the cedar come from that? Bro, my grandma said that she knew some, some lady up in Cultus Lake who made like cedar cape regalia uh, other than like the raffia. So yeah. that's that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do cedar. I might try to do some cedar pants. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be tight. That'd be tough. Our rabbit holes are endless. Is that me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I did not have a favorite part of Journey. I enjoyed so much of it. Um, but I do have favorites. And one of the things that I want to shout out is also the time that I spent with the West Shore Canoe family in camp and being a part of being a part of a canoe family again and really everything that that comes with. Uh, whether you're being stressed out or whether you're laughing and or you're just chatting and spending a joyous night under lantern lights in the canopy with, with the adults after all the kids are in bed or circle time, hearing everyone's 
so so really the highlight of my journey had to had to have been what it usually is on journeys is spending time with the family in the camp um I mean I love being out on the water and I love those experiences I'm not I don't want to bring any comparisons in to one experience to another but overall the 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 holistic uh, favorite thing for me would be how camp came together uh, road crew land crew water crew and we all had a good time and then protocol was savage I loved sorry to sorry to cut in with another moment I loved dancing with the flags it was <laughs> no, really that was powerful crazy. that was so cool bro I had the Nooksack the flag also they're just waving the Nooksack flag like that the West Shore <laughs> flag uh, and they got some pretty cool pictures pretty mid no, I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Hard not for me not to be biased towards like getting a tattoo. I mean, like that's that's like top notch experience right there. I mean, it's hard to forget, you know, because it's so painful. <laughs> but like one of one of our uh, good friends from New Zealand, his name's Jeff. He's like, he he lives and breathes canoe culture over in New Zealand, and he he's been traveling. We actually met Jeff in Bella Bella, like on our way up to Bella Bella. His name's Jeff, but. But the way he pronounces it is Jif. Jif. And, uh, <laughs> but it was just like, it was, it was incredible because, like, we were sitting there, you know, and Raven was getting poked and going how it's being introduced to Canoe Journey and, like, her first experiences watching us get, uh, get hand poked. And then Jif is like, well, what would it take for me to get a, get a tattoo? And she's like, well, I'm going to skin stitch you. <laughs> she just loves it. I mean, it, understandably, I mean, if I was a tattoo artist and I just kind of like wanted to be evil, I just like. Devious. Devious. Anyway, uh, we all just kind of sat in that circle, you know, sharing stories. Like, and uh, one of G's boys, his name's, uh, was it Curly? He has like really curly hair and he's one of her uh, adopted sons. Um, he was sitting there uh, in very old school discipline. You weren't listening to grandma at protocol. Now you're going to sit here and just sit here. And that's like very old school <laughs> teachings. Oh, yeah. For, for hours, too, because like we were sitting there getting tatted. Like, of course, he could go grab water and stuff. But like he wasn't allowed to go and play around and like. That, and that's the way I, I was raised too it's like you get in trouble at a cultural event and you gotta sit down and you better sit down the whole time and like so but like he was asking you know he would just keep asking like hey do you have any more stories so like I told him like the story of like Tanit or Basket Lady I told him the story of um, Salmon Woman I told him the story of Coyote and the Stars uh, the Raven and the Sun like and then uh, Jeff was sharing stories, Gwen was sharing stories, G was sharing stories, Raven was sharing stories. So it was like this big circle time, like uh, sharing stories all based on like this kid prompting us to like tell him more stories because he was bored and, and it, was, it was great because he was trying to like tell us stories too but he would forget like the story ending halfway through he'd get distracted and like forget to finish so it was just it was great that's probably my favorite memory mind you this is like 11 30 at night too <laughs> so we're very like holding lights trying to get tatted 
We're getting tattooed. Yeah. Bro got the flashlight. The flashlight. <laughs> I was shining my own light for the tattoo. God. Damn, and you had to hold your own light while getting skin stitched. Y'all yeah. are crazy. <laughs> no, y'all are insane, bro. Because then, cause then I feel like I gotta look at it. Because I gotta oh, like yeah. look at like what I'm pointing my flashlight at. Yeah. And then she like enters like the same hole that she acted out, and then pokes a new hole. And you can feel it like, like when you're getting a piercing. Not the. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's like sewed moccasins. <laughs> you ever sewed moccasins before? I just imagine what it's like. Look like it. I do want to get a pair of mocks. I do want to get a pair of mocks. A pair of beaded mocks would be so cool. I think you three should do a podcast together. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry. No, it's it would be funny. That's why. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. There's a couple of favorite moments, and it's definitely was being out on the water. And you think, I don't know, our, our Tulalip protocol was pretty cool. Like, it just felt, it was really awesome. And it just like, there's one song where the lights went out mm -hmm. and it was just like, I don't know. It was just like a really cool feeling to be around. And just in general, just all the energy that was given. Um, and just like, I guess just hanging out with all of you. It was really nice to be outside of work and getting to know each other a little bit more and just getting to get that time to spend time together. But yeah. Bella was so active on journeys. Like, <laughs> she was everywhere. She'd be out, like, out and about at protocol. I swear there was one night in Muckle Shoot where it was like, Bella didn't even sleep yet. Girl. I was like, I know for a fact she ain't sleeping because it's boiling in the tent right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I had to crawl out of my tent, like, at, like, like ain't no, Like, you ain't oh. sleeping up in there. Like, you ain't sleeping in there right no. now. 90 degrees out. You ain't sleeping in there. Like, yeah. I swear, like, I seen Bella, and then I seen her again at the Airbnb. It's just like, what are you... <laughs> With no car. <laughs> How are you getting everywhere? She's just somehow <laughs> everywhere at once. <laughs> I was active. I had the opposite She's effect. I did not see Bella in shoot one <laughs> bit. Not once I did I see Bella. I feel like I barely ran into the, the crew, but for some reason I kept crossing crossing path cross, crossing path with John. And uh, yeah, me and John, John, me and John, like, what up, John? Where's everyone at, man? And he's like, they're around. You haven't seen no one. No. <laughs> That's I so crazy. Cause I John think with Kimmy or either be with you guys. You no, but that day you see me, literally, we had protocol, and then at 5.30, I was like, I'm going to bed. It was freezing, and then, so I, like, bundled all up, but then, when I woke up, it was so hot, like, <laughs> I woke up, and I was literally, like, holy crap, it's freaking hot, and I, like, took my sweater off, took another coat off, and on top of that, I had my sleeping bag, and then I got out of the tent, I was like, Okay, I'm not going back to sleep. <laughs> this was this was my reaction of going to bed at six in the morning, and then waking up. Well, who finished that? That was Lummy protocol. Lummy finished at five thirty, and then I went to bed at six, thinking I was going to sleep in. Like, yes, nothing to do the next day. Everything's done. <gasps> like, like that's your reaction. You slam the blankets off of you. You're like, <gasps> you're like looking for literally. water. Literally, <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> I literally was like. 
Oh my god. Like water. I don't need it. I don't need it. I definitely don't need it. Degree ten. It's gotta be ninety-five. It doesn't make sense. Why? Why does it get like that? No, because it's like ventilated. I don't get it. Yeah, it's like you're in a microwave, bro. It's insane. I was cooking in there. Bro, I was for sure steaming. You open your tent. You open your tent and 70 degrees feels like air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) 70 degree air feels like 60. (laughs) That's why I did not camp. (laughs) That's why I stayed at the Airbnb. Mm-hmm. No, because as soon as you guys were like, Roy, you don't have to camp. We got an extra room. I was like, she. I was I was whispering Airbnb because I was not trying to get judged. I was like, <laughs> Bro, I was like, somebody okay. said Airbnb out loud. I was like, y'all got an Airbnb? That's crazy. I, I slept in the tent the whole time. I didn't get no Airbnb. <laughs> I know there's a couple times for a record. <laughs> I savaged it. I, I wanted the Airbnb, trust yeah. me. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a couple times where I'd like come back to camp and they'd be like, where did you go? And I was like, I went to the Airbnb. They were like, oh yeah? I was like, I went yeah. and got some air conditioning. I was like, I need it out of the tea. <laughs> And then one time they were like, air conditioning. they're That's all trying to get me in trouble. They're like, oh, did you go snag? And I was like, no, I did not go snag. I was just with <laughs> no. my coworker. I, I am like, a whole mother. Exactly. And I was like, you guys trying to get I, me in trouble? I have a life. I have a whole <laughs> family. Y'all be out here snagging. Two kids. No. Um, let's see. I think my favorite part was, I think it was standing with three sisters. I think I didn't know how much I really wanted to. They asked me before they went up, and I said no because I got really scared and I didn't want to like. I just felt bad. So I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't know anybody, and I didn't want to go up there not knowing anything. But they were just like they were really accepting and really welcoming, and it was a nice feeling. And I at least got to like be on the protocol floor. Don't look at me. Cool. <laughs> it's just cool. Yeah, you get to sing with up. our family finally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was that was my favorite. Or like spending time with you guys and like it was I was experiencing something new, but I also had like the comfort of you guys to like mm-hmm. make sure I was good. Yeah. Or the food. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that one, that the one, in, the, that one what, what was it? The, the Res place. Boys, the Res, in, Boys, Res Boys fry bread. Res Boys fry bread. They were so good. They was I think in their they had me eating like two Indian tacos a day. Indian tacos and snow cones. Yeah, that was that was my eating rotation. That was the rotation. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Masubi. Oh, yo, the masubi spot oh, was. Oh my great. god. Yo. That fried masubi. I ended up. I ended up at Simon, Simon James, and then that stand at the end I ended up down there it must have been five days of the week the Masubi place and then uh, y'all, y'all I think y'all family stand had uh, chicken adobo Olympia chicken adobo it was, mm. a it was a rebang. The Bumate. The Bumate kitchen. kitchen. I was like, okay, oh, yeah, that food is Shout out Bumate Kitchen for that. Bro, shout out Bumate Kitchen. Bro, shout out Bumate kitchen. <laughs> I want to shout out that those those one Samoan, that, that one Samoan oh. place with the Masubi. Yeah. Uh, y'all was so in there good. cooking, y'all was chefing. 
There was a reason I was there asking y'all when y'all was going to be open every 30 minutes before y'all opened. Thank you and Haisha to all of you for taking the time today to share your experience with Canoe Journey and some of us for being our first times and um, big shout out to West Shore Canoe family for being so welcoming to letting us be on their canoe and being a part of their family and being a part of songs and dances. Lainux and so. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>